Thank you for listening to Quest Church San Diego. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us online at questsd.com. Again, that's questsd.com. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus, please email us at info at questsd.com. Thank you for listening. ministry team here and excited to share a message. Uh, We're going to be in Matthew 24, and if you need a Bible, there's some in the back and on the side tables. We've got a full day here today. We have a little uh, communion at the end of our service, so uh, with our kids, it's great to see them in here, and they're doing great work next door. Um, Praying for Pastor Sherwood and his family for a day of rest, and looking forward to uh, the book of Mark. We're going to be opening up Uh, next week, and we'll have those Mark uh, Bibles for you guys uh, next week. But um, I think that's it as far as announcements. Um, Today, we're going to talk about Jesus answering hard questions, I should have put up there. He's going to answer some hard questions, and we're going to look at Matthew 24 and 25. You'll notice if you have a red letter Bible, it's all red letters. It's, It's very similar to the Sermon on the Mount where it's one of his great discourses where he covers a lot of ground. This is some really challenging ground we're going to be in here. So we're just going to pick up some gold nuggets along the way. We certainly don't have time to uh, exhaust it all. And uh, that's pretty cool. It's stuck. So if you would pray with me once more for our study, would you? Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. We want to thank you again for your word, your word which is powerful And your word, when it it goes forth, it does not return void or empty, but it does its perfect work. May we uh, be ground that is fertile to receive your word. May you uh, nourish and and grow it inside of us. May we hunger more and more each day for it, and may you transform our lives by it and, and the lives of those around us. We thank you, Jesus, for all you've done, for your words here, your answers to hard questions, and we pray that uh, we would always be willing to, to ask because you're always willing to, to provide your, your wisdom and knowledge and understanding, and we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Well, these are very full chapters, and again, it's all uh, two chapters of red letters. We're just going to uh, touch on some points, and um, this is sandwiched in between where Jesus arrives in Jerusalem for... Uh, his triumphal entry and Palm Sunday, and uh, he goes and he stirs things up a bit. He goes into the uh, temple and he clears the temple of those uh, money changers, and he says, you made this temple uh, a den of thieves, but God wants it to be a house of prayer. So he was zealous for God, for God's house. Hey, there we go. Maybe a little less bright? Scared me. (laughs) He thought I was really handsome until that happened. Just bring that down just a touch. There you go. And so just having come to Jerusalem, having gone into the temple, having just in chapter 23 uh, rebuked the religious leaders for their hypocrisy, he has some of the strongest words for anybody in the Bible for uh, those who who represent God but are are knowingly sinful and, and hypocritical in that. So, so this chapter comes right after it, after he, he um, rebukes them, and it's coming just before his, his very soon betrayal, his very soon crucifixion, and it's, uh, 
the last week of his life, essentially. But he gives this great discourse, and uh, before he is, is betrayed and, and sought uh, to be killed by these chief priests, and even, even the one close to him, by Judas. And, and it's, it speaks to that power of deception, and, and that's going to be a little part of Matthew 24 that we're going to touch on, is that uh, being misled and deceived that Jesus warns us over and over about. He says uh, he, he's going to answer some hard questions and deal with, deal with that topic right there. But <clears throat> I want us all to, to think about today what hard questions we might want to ask the Lord and what difficulties we might be going through and how willing and how anxious he is to hear that and to speak into our lives. And so he does that with the apostles. If we want to turn to Matthew 24 again, verse 1, we'll start off reading where it says, just the first few verses, he says, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, where he was uh, uh, upsetting the religious leaders, and they're plotting to kill him now. He departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. So they were so impressed with the, the architecture and the wonder of this, this glorious temple that had been built. But, but Jesus says, I want you to think about the physical, not I'm sorry, the spiritual, not the physical aspects of what this temple means and, and how much more important are the spiritual things rather than our pride and, and our pursuits and the power that may be conveyed by that temple or even the things in our lives. And he brings it back. He says to them, Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? He's talking about the temple. Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And this is prophetic because this would happen 70 years later when Rome uh, came in to conquer and uh, every stone was, was as he spoke, uh, taken down from that temple. So it's a reminder that we need to be looking upward, not at the outward things, to be about the things of the spirit, not the flesh and the physical world. And, and he sets them straight right from that beginning when they were uh, in, their, in their religion uh, looking at the... Um, you know, whether it's, it's ritual or whether it's worship of a place or, or, or self-righteousness, uh, like the, um, the Pharisees and Sadducees, religious leaders, he, he is getting it back to the basics. And, and this, this chapter has, has some challenging uh, passages about end times and, and what to expect before he comes, and even prophetic about what he said here, the destruction of, or of uh, the temple and, and Jerusalem taken over. So he brings it back to these simple uh, messages about being heavenly minded. Have you ever heard uh, that person is so heavenly minded they're no earthly good? It's maybe haven't heard that. I've heard it a couple times, and and that's you know somebody whose head is in the clouds and just not not uh, involved in the world at all. But I think that's that's probably uh, not what he's talking about. I think uh, I've I've heard it said that uh, you need to be heavenly minded to be any earthly good. And we need to have our thoughts on him, and we need to be praying without ceasing, and we need to be looking at the spiritual. We need to be focusing upward and not on those circumstances and things and the, and of this world that, that so entice us. So he says in verse, um, well, I want to just share from Colossians in 3.1 real quick. He addresses that. He says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of earth. That's in Colossians. It relates right to what he's saying here. Let's focus upward. When our problems, when this world gets heavy, let's look up. 
Let's look up and let's see what he can do with our hard questions and our, our problems of this life as we look up for him, for guidance, rather than out at the problems and the challenges. And in verse 3, he says, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, they travel across uh, the Kidron Valley there where they can have a view of the temple. And he's on the Mount of Olives where he gives this Olivet Discourse. It's, it's named for that garden. And, and the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? You know, they're, they're, they're overwhelmed by his statement about the temple. He says, when will these things be? And, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they threw in a couple bonus questions. It's like, tell us the whole story, Jesus. Your, your, your end of the age, your end of human kind on this world and how it all wraps up. What's your plan? So, and Jesus is really great to answer that, but it's, it's, a, heavy, it's a heavy chapter. And, and uh, we're not uh, going to have an exhaustive study of all the end times prophecy and all the topics covered from, you know, tribulations and uh, raptures and um, the persecutions. There's so much here, but I leave you to some of that on your own. It's a great study that not to be ignored, just like the Sermon on the Mount. It's such a wonderful passage of all of his, his sermon, the red letters there. He's talking about some heavy subjects that we should be aware of. But I think we're going to just uh, look for some key thoughts and some fundamental principles for us today uh, that can help us to, to have a little peace because uh, this world gets a bit heavy at times, doesn't it? And the changes we see in this world can get a little intense. So God's plan for us is that we would have peace. In John 16, 33, he says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me, in me, you may have peace. Not in the world, but in him we have our peace, even though there's turmoil all around us. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So let's... Grab on to those simple uh, ideas he has here. The idea of peace. The idea of, of the big warnings he talks about as, as this world may uh, increase in some negative things, some things against God in preparation for his coming. Let's hold on to the peace and the joy and the, the fruits of the Spirit. So, as we go forward to verse 4, he's taking their difficult questions. And he says... Jesus answered them in verse 4, Take heed that no one deceives you. Verse 5, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. So there's a lot of verses in the following couple chapters that talks about deception and being misled, and how important it is for us to avoid that. How many cults there are out there, and how many false teachers, and how easily it is to be deceived. Uh, just as Judas, just as the chief priests who betrayed him and had him crucified, how they missed him when Judas walked with him and saw that they did, and the religious leaders saw the miracles, and yet they're deceived and they're jealous and everything else trying to kill him. So how do we avoid deception? Knowing it's prevalent, knowing there's an enemy out there who speaks lies, whose job it is to deceive and destroy our faith and our life, he says... Well, there's a, there's a few ways we can, we can avoid deception and, and have discernment, which is like an understanding, a seeing through things and seeing God's truth in situations and, and how we can discern God's truth. Well, first, it's through his word. Anybody have a Bible out there? 
Who's got an old-fashioned Bible? Let me see an old-fashioned Bible. Ooh, there's one with pages and paper. Everybody else is digging for their phones. And, you know, don't get distracted by what else is on there, okay? So uh, great tools. But focus. Have a daily devotion. Have a Bible you love you can mark in, or even if it's online. Get, that's where our source of truth is. That's where we fight deception, uh, the lies of the enemy. The devil who seeks to uh, deceive and destroy in our flesh that just wants to, to sin. And so his word gives us wisdom and knowledge and understanding and discernment of truth. Keeps us from being misled. Uh, his word, his witnesses, uh, are fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Those have, who have faith. Those we can trust for counsel, for accountability. Hopefully, we all have people in our life that we can talk to, we can share with, and, and spiritual people who can give us good advice and keep us from going down a wrong road or being misled. Uh, another one would be three W words, his word, his witnesses, God's people, and then his whisper, that still small voice, the peace that's in our hearts when we know we're walking with him, the contentment. The uh, being able to discern circumstances, what does it mean, you know, when my house burns up or I lose my job or who knows what. What does this mean, Lord? What are you telling me through this? What, what is your plan here? And we can get all that. We can look at our circumstances through the word, through the counsel of others, through a peace in our hearts when we're seeking him and listening and watching. Uh, somebody once said, God's acquaintance is not made hurriedly. I like that statement. It's not 90 miles an hour down the freeway expecting that to be enough to fill us each day. We need to give him some time and to listen and to meditate on his word, be with his people, and listen. So that keeps us from the deception. And, and simply put in James 4, 7, he says, here's how you deal with the enemy. He says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So it's not always about fighting it out with the devil. It's about submitting and surrendering to God, being right and centered with God and his word, with his people, listening crying out, asking your questions. I challenge each of you, any hard questions you have about God, he, about God, he's faithful to answer if you give him some time. Say, God, how could you do this? Or what is this about? And why did this happen? Pray about it. Read his word. Talk to some people. Get good counsel. And you will find that peace. You will find the truth. And you will be able to discern what this is all about, what God is up to. So, that's avoiding the deception that he, he talks about in Matthew 24 as far as the end times and how uh, an increase in deception and, and people being misled uh, can be a part of, will be a part of this. So going forward, he uh, talks about in verse 6, he said, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. You guys heard about any wars? We've had that. We've had everything in the news lately. We've had, we've had stress that keeps coming at us. And know this, these things must come to pass. It's like saying, I don't want Jesus to be crucified. But if he didn't die, we could not live forever with him. These difficulties that this world has is part of the birth process for him to come and to make all things right. So these things must happen. But he says, see that you are not troubled. See that you are not troubled. So I'm going to give you a pit stop here so you're not troubled, okay? Take a breath. <sighs> okay, 1 John 1, 4. These things, talking about the Bible, these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Never forget that God wants us to have joy in this life, regardless of our circumstances. doesn't mean we're happy about, you know, some 
major illness or major catastrophe in our life, that's great, God. It means he gives us a deeper, richer peace and an understanding of what he's up to when we bring him into that problem, when we ask him those hard questions. So the joy. Don't miss out on the joy as we touch on this heavy chapter. There's some heavy stuff in here, but that's a pit stop for you. These things we write to you that your joy may be full. Okay, so there's joy and understanding and seeing his process play out. And he says in verse 7, he says, For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. Seen any pestilence lately? Yeah, it's disease, right? I mean, we just saw how, how, how COVID racked our world and turned it upside down and inside out. And again, these are just signs that these things will be a part of his plan as he draws near. But, I'll give you a pit stop again. John 15, 11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your, say it, joy. starts with a J, ends with an oi, joy may be full, okay? These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Okay, so as we learn of this, his plan is being executed as we speak, that we can be joyous in it. And number, um, I'm sorry, verse 8 says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. And this, this scripture here kind of talks about it later on in, in 20, Matthew 24, how we can be discerning. These are birth pangs. It says all creation, it, it's crying out, it's waiting, it's wanting his return. You know, even this, these earthquakes and things, it's like his whole creation is wanting this. It's leading to this. It's happening. And, and more and more as he draws close. But he says, all these are, are the beginning of sorrows, or uh, birth pangs is another way to, to think of that. And he says in, up on the screen there in verse 32, he says, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. We should be living each day with anticipation of his coming. Each day as though it could be our last. Each day knowing that these things are in motion. He's executing his plan and that we can find peace in that. We can find joy in it through the difficulties. Okay? And so take those pit stops. Be in the word. Be in worship. Be in fellowship. And, and discern his voice of peace. His Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, maybe a little different order than they, you might have memorized them if you did. But don't forget, don't forget the joy and the fruit of the Spirit. Um, so, signs of his coming, again, in verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Oh boy, more heaviness. There have been martyrs for the faith. And think about as bad as maybe our lives get sometimes. Think about suffering, persecution, as so many have, are, and will for their faith. Be willing to, to stand in that faith. Be willing to take what might come, whether it's the minor, minor irritants at work or your neighbors or your family. Know that, hey, ultimately some people have given their lives for their faith. And how much we can rest knowing that even if it gets that far, he'll be with us. He'll comfort us. He'll walk us through it. And then we get to be with him. It's a win-win. And then many will be offended. They will betray one another, will hate one another. 
it's funny, I was thinking of even, even during this recent pandemic, uh, how quick people were to turn on each other, how quick they were to attack, you know, through this suffering. Rather than working together, it's like, well, let's, let's go after my neighbor. And so, so this, this earth and our nature is ripe for this, for this, this, this attacking of one another. And he says again in verse 11, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Again, the deception, again, the warning don't be deceived. The persecution, um, the martyrdom, all these things are part of his drawing near, coming closer to being here. These things will intensify, he says. Um, so in verse 11, he says, then many false prophets, oh, I'm sorry, I just read that, will rise and deceive many. Verse 12, he says, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. This one spoke to me because a lawlessness in our land, I think we've seen more and more, and how the borders are going away as far as conduct and, and, and rebellion, and even in families, there's so much turmoil that I've seen, uh, and so many are, are struggling and suffering with, and that can be discouraging, okay? And I don't want you to come away discouraged today. I don't think you will, if you hear me out, but um, he says, the love of many will grow cold. So, again, the love. Where do we get our love? Our love doesn't come from uh, our circumstances. It comes from God helping us interpret those circumstances. So, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy. Those should be our markers as Christians. And this is who we are. It's our identity. We are people who love. We are people who have joy. We are people who have peace. Okay, If we're in the Spirit, we should have those in abundance, enough to share with others who are struggling, looking at some of the difficulties of this world. Let me just continue a couple verses down. He says uh, in verse 13, a little encouragement here, okay, after all that heaviness, he says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And it's not your perseverance, it's not your, I'm going to tough it out that saves you, that gets you to heaven. It's your faith that gives you the ability to tap into God's endurance, his Holy Spirit's power to endure these difficulties. It overflows into us, into the circumstances, so we can endure whatever comes. And it's God's salvation, his grace, that provides endurance, his power. Okay, So we've got to get uh, close to him, receive that power to endure, and again, patience, long-suffering, self-control, those are fruits of the Spirit as well, right? Endurance, sticking to it. Uh, we think about a legacy, a legacy of faith we want to pass on to the next generation. Didn't you see all those little ones here? We want to be able to stick to it, pass it on, endure, show them how to endure trials, rather than this lawlessness, boundless wildness that we see so often in our world. We've got to show them. We've got to stay strong. We've got to stand firm. And um, in uh, the book of Ephesians, it talks about some ways to help us stand. So I just want to read uh, quickly from Ephesians 6, uh, where it talks about the armor of God. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the Lord, in his strength, and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Say that word with me. Stand. Stand. Thank you. Stand against the wiles of the devil. doesn't mean we have to attack. We need to stand and defend, and, and be ready. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, which is also part 
of his coming, his execution, this, this demonic evil, the devil gearing up for more and more. So fighting, standing against that. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand, therefore. You're all geared up in your armor. You have girded your waist with truth, having put on the chest plate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the gospel of peace we talked about. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Faith, gospel of peace, chest plate of righteousness, girded your waist with truth, and take the helmet of salvation. If you know the Lord, you're saved, nothing can ultimately defeat you. Nothing can take that away from you. You are assured of heaven. And we're going to talk about that when we take communion in a few minutes. Uh, Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. That's your, your weapon, the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So we're praying for one another. We're encouraging one another. We're standing in that armor. We're ready to strike with the word. That's what Jesus, that was his weapon against the devil. He used the word of God. So I'd recommend this this stance right here, if you want to go to the next slide, to be able to endure, to be able to stand the difficulties. There's my friend. I love this picture because it's a picture of my, one of my favorite words called tenacity, never giving up. That poor little frog, he was about to be swallowed up, but not so. Who's going to win this standoff, right? I don't think it's that bird anytime soon. So that's a picture to me of tenacity. It's not uh, an obsessiveness. It is just uh, a drivenness and a focusness on the word, on the goal, on Jesus, on his word, on worship, on his people, and encouraging and engaging and never letting go. He says, I'm pressing on to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. That is the focus of our tenacity. We never let go of that goal and just keep pushing, and we stand in that armor, and we endure, and we get through to that promised land that's waiting for us. And Finally, I want to I move into um, a last verse that I'm just going to touch on from this, this heavy chapter. Uh, but this, uh, again, hopefully you can have hope here. Because in, in uh, verse 14, he says, um, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. It's the evangelism. It's our responsibility to share the good news, to speak the truth in love with gentleness and respect to whomever he puts in your path. Whether you're going to bloom where you're planted here, San Diego, California, or you're going to be off somewhere else in this world, we are speaking the truth through our words and, more importantly, through our deeds to share the good news. It's good news that we want to give people, good news of salvation, and that ushers in his coming when people are hearing that word and it's going throughout the world and people are being converted and there's always more that he wants to save. God is patient, wanting everyone to come to salvation. Um, So consider your mission field. Consider your mission field. This is the best picture I have of empathy. I'm not really happy with it, but the idea is clear. Your thoughts are not about yourself. Your thoughts about others. 
Okay, let's kind of get that from the picture there. You're thinking about the needs of others. You're putting yourself in their life. You're putting yourself in their shoes. The people around you, think about them as Jesus did. He met with people at their level, and he came to them, and he ministered to their needs, and he thought not of his own, and he served, he served, and he poured into the people around him. And so that's how we can share the good news, is with empathy. We can stand against the difficulties with tenacity and a focus on the goal of what Christ did for us and, and heaven. Um, one last thing I would share, uh, if our worship team wants to come up, we can uh, prepare for communion, but um, it's this compassion and empathy. Uh, he talks about the least of these further on in Matthew 25, and let me just read this passage. He says, when the, this is Matthew 25, 31. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. As his adopted child, you inherit everything, everything, every blessing from the Lord is waiting you. And he goes on to say, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Faith lived out. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? You're thinking about your ministry field, all these people around us suffering and in need. There's an abundance of opportunity. He said, when did we see you? And the king said, and the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it for one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. Who is the least of these in your life? That's what we should be thinking about, praying about today as we prepare for communion. Who is it? Is it a family? Is it a co-worker? Is it the, the land across the sea? Who are those people that you don't want to minister to? Is what I think this gets down to. Who you have difficulty with. I work as a paramedic. I work with lots of homeless folks like this guy in the picture. And they're tough, but they are the least of these. They're the lost, abandoned, drug-addicted, psychosis mess. But they're looking for people, or God is looking for people who can reach into their lives. And there's ample other um, uh, types of opportunities like that and types of people out there that we can uniquely be suited to reach into their lives for. Um, I might even throw this in here since it's graduation Sunday. Kids, the idea of working with these little scooters down here terrifies us. And that might be the person we should consider taking a step towards because we could use your help to multiply these kids out, this next generation of faith. And I'll tell you, I, I started doing that, and it was really easy not to stop. It's just a blessing. And any ministry can be that way. Any difficult ministry you might think about being a part of, difficult person in your life, that's your mission field. So as we reflect and we remember all that Jesus did and gave and died and suffered in our place for communion, remember that as believers we celebrate this and we reflect upon our lives and examine ourselves. And 
I would ask you just to bow your head and think about this scripture. He says, I have been crucified in Galatians. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me and empowers me to be the witness, to stand, to find my ministry field, and to take up my cross because he says, he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me to think about others' needs, to have empathy, and to be strong in our faith and have the tenacity as well. And Lord, we just pray in the name of Jesus. We ask that each person here would know you because you said, Lord, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. And you said that he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is a celebration of us having new life in in you and a new covenant that was given by your blood and your broken body for us. And I would just add, as we take the bread and as we take the juice, that, Lord, you said, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Communion is so that you can remember that you know you have eternal life, and you will be reunited with God, with Jesus, in heaven forever. So take that today. Accept him and remember him. Amen. If this podcast has been an encouragement to you, or if you would like to know more about Jesus, please email us at info at We'd love to hear from you. God bless you.